Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. Uh, my guest this hour is Eric Bell. He is the founder and CEO of Yo Bucko. Welcome to the show, Eric. Well, thank you for having me, Jordan. Let's just start with a little bit of your background and uh, how you founded Yo Bucko. Well, so I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, went to a school called Hendricks College uh, down in Arkansas. And when I was at Hendricks, I actually started a, a little nonprofit called Future Investors, and we taught college students about managing money and, and personal finance, and we're actually able to kind of expand that program throughout the state of Arkansas at different schools. And I was trying to raise some money up in New York and actually came back with a job instead of uh, money from the City Foundation. And so worked in private banking with Citigroup for about four years, uh, three years up in New York, and then one year down in Washington. Uh, then when I was here in Washington, actually was asked to take over as a, the leader of the nonprofit called the Jumpstart Coalition, and it was the greater Washington chapter of that organization. And we kind of helped jumpstart a lot of the financial education efforts here in Washington, and it really reignited kind of this passion I had for financial education and so about two years ago, decided to uh, resign from my job and start kind of taking my efforts online and started uh, working on Yo Bucko. And so Yo Bucko is really a non, it's a website that's created to help young people kind of achieve their financial goals. We want to make it easier for people to learn about managing money and make it a little bit easier for them to compare different financial products and services. Why is this needed? Why are, uh, is there a need for such uh, additional areas in uh, financial, uh, personal financial education for young people? Well, I think this, this market that we're focused on, which is really people in their 20s, you know, I kind of say collectively we're Generation Y. There's about 76 million of us out there, and we're having trouble finding jobs. We're crippled with different things like student loan debt and credit card debt. You know, it's really tough to find places to save your money today, and nobody ever taught us this about, taught us about managing our money in school. Um, parents don't talk about it at home, and it's this generation of young people who are growing up in a world where it's really hard to find places to earn money, and it's tough to find places to save and invest. And so we're trying to make it a little bit more approachable for people so that they can find those answers in their own life. How is Generation Y... Uh, different from Generation X before it, in, in, relating to personal financial education? Well, I, I would say that some of the major differences, I mean, one is the world that we've grown up in. Now, no generations really have had comprehensive financial education efforts, at least in school. Um, you know, and other than just our age alone, the major difference is we're growing up in an age of spending, an age of free access to credit cards and a lot of different options out there for young people. So we may be wonderful consumers, but we've never learned how to be good savers and investors. And, and I think that's the real opportunity here is to take a generation who's really faced a different financial marketplace, a different financial world, and, and to empower them with that knowledge and the skills and tools that they need to kind of get where they want to in life. Just give us some of the data on the economic reality for Generation Y today. Oh, I, I, I can go through a lot of it, but, you know, we look at unemployment for young people, and you've got unemployment at around 15.3%. 
for people that are in their 20s. That's a tough reality. You've got $27,000 in student loan debt for people that are getting out of college these days. You know, the college seniors are graduating with over $4,000 in credit card debt. I was reading a study yesterday, actually, by PNC that recently came out that was saying that young people, about 60% of us, are all very, very stressed about managing our money and, and the debt that we're taking on. So, you know, you also look at things like how are we saving? Well, right now, about 70% of us haven't set money aside to cover expenses for just three months. You know, and, and more, about a quarter of us are actually spending more than we make every month. So, I mean, there's a real numbers problem here. And, and I think there's a lot of things that we can do as, as a culture and as a society to help this generation kind of change their own financial future. How is it different when people get out of school today as far as finding jobs, uh, going out on their own, uh, starting families? How is that different with Generation Y than earlier generations? Well, I'd say the cost of living is, is an obvious answer uh, to some of this. Is The cost of living in cities around the U.S. is, is continued to go up, but real incomes in our country are, are pretty flat. Then you get out there and you have a, a generation of people who do have a lot of student loans and a lot of debt and not necessarily the ability to repay that money or the understanding of what they got themselves into in the first place. And so what you see is a lot of young people out there who are really struggling to grow up. And, and it's not that it's necessarily our fault entirely, but we just are not in the financial situation that we need to be in to do things like buying our first home or, you know, getting married at the same age that our parents did. I think there's a lot of things. And then you look at other factors like we have to save for our own retirement. We have to make a lot of financial decisions. We don't have pensions. We are reliant on ourselves in many ways to make financial decisions once we get out of school if we graduate. Now, what are, I've heard different numbers about the so-called boomerang generation and people coming back to live at home after graduating. What are the numbers you hear? What percentage of people go back home after they graduate these days? You know, I actually don't have any uh, definitive numbers on that. I'd be interested to hear what your thoughts are. I, I was listening to a show on NPR the other day that was telling me that there were – it's a substantial amount. It's millions of young people that are out there every day moving back in with their parents and not able to kind of grow up. And, and what is the result of that beyond just living back as far as making progress in their goals or having kids or starting marriages? I mean, what, what are the implications of coming back and living at home after you've gone through college? Well, I think, you know, my parents, if I was living at their house right now, probably wouldn't consider that their vision of, of a good retirement for themselves. And so, you know, parents are having to take on an additional burden uh, to, to raise their children than they're already having to take. And the cost of raising a child today is pretty expensive as, as it is. And with rising cost of education and, you know, the continued amount of money that you're having to invest in your child, it, it's putting parents at a disadvantage. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily think that it's, it's anybody to blame here. I just think it's time for us to have kind of a concerted effort to educate people so that they can get to that next step in their life. Let's start talking about the first main reason for all that's happening, which is unemployment. Um, people are coming out, even with good uh, degrees and, and uh, specialty knowledge and so on, 
and they're just not able to get uh, either any job or a certain job that's going to pay them to be able to be independently, uh, be able to be self-sufficient. What can people do coming out of college to get better jobs and, and make their way? It's a tough one. I, I, you know, it's funny as I look back on it. Um, I graduated college in 2006, and I, I truly feel fortunate that I got a job, especially in the financial services industry at that time. I, about two years after I started working up in New York, I started seeing analyst programs that, that were in the banking industry just crumbling. We started out with 35 people in the program that we were in, and now they hire around five to six people each year for these programs. And so a lot of these kids that are going out and trying their best and, and getting a great education find themselves in a situation where they can't get jobs after school. A lot of those young people are having to do things that they didn't think they would have to do, like going out and getting internships with their newly minted college degree and having to work for free. But I think that's the real answer if you don't have a, a paying job right away is You've got to find ways to get exposure. You've got to find ways to get out there and meet and network with people. But, you know, at the end of the day, it may mean that you've got to go out and get a job that you don't think or you think that you're overqualified for, uh, perhaps. I mean, at the end of the day, we all have to have a living. We have to pay our bills. And if that means we have to flip burgers, that may be what we have to do because that job on Wall Street just might not be there tomorrow. So also, uh, how about people starting their own businesses? That seems to be something people coming out of college are doing, particularly in the Internet world. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I don't know if I would advise anybody from a financial situation to, uh, on, on starting a business, but, you know, with great risk, potentially comes great rewards. But, you know, if you are starting a business, I think there's a few things that I would recommend. Is First, I would focus on making your first customer uh, – come to your business. I mean, you really have to have customers if, if you want a business. And so rather than spending your entire life business planning, I think getting out there and asking people, do you want to buy my product, is a big thing. Another thing is time is money. When you're out starting a business, you really do have to allocate your time very effectively. It's one of the biggest challenges a lot of young entrepreneurs face. You know, another thing is really preparing for the worst and hoping for the best. Um, I always kind of say that, you know, good things or bad things do happen to good people. And one thing that I think I, I was fortunate to have had the foresight to do was to save kind of for emergencies prior to leaving my job. If you don't have that nest egg, it, it's very difficult to take that risk. And I was fortunate I didn't have any family or, or wife and kids that, that relied on me at the time and had my college or a graduate degree that I'm working on kind of behind me, or I'm working on that at the same time, but it's, it's been probably the best decision I made was to have that emergency savings. And if you're a young person out there and you're not an entrepreneur, I still would recommend having, you know, three to six months worth of living expenses in savings just so you have the chance to take advantage of opportunities and you have some money there if something bad does happen to you. Another problem for young people is the rising cost of education. Are there things people can do uh, to not have to pay as much or go three years instead of four years or uh, go to lesser colleges? What can they do so they're not burdened with such huge student loan debt? 
Well, if you have the ability to start saving for your child's education, I, I highly recommend looking into 529 plans in your city. But if you're a young person today going out and looking at schools, I would focus more time on finding scholarships and grants than, than any time before. I, it, when I went to college the first time, I really didn't probably spend enough time doing that. And now that I'm in graduate school, there's just not as many scholarships and grants available to people like myself. But spending time looking for scholarships and grants, work-study programs within your school, these are all ways to help fund your education. And once you graduate, there are options for people where you can work in government jobs, you can work with nonprofits, you can take on fellowships that will help finance that education after the fact. Um, when you are looking at different financing vehicles, you have to look at student loans these days. I mean, the costs, like you said, are just through the roof. I, I remember I started my MBA program two and a half years ago, and year two they came to us and said, we're, rising, we're raising the tuition by 10% so that we be can become more competitive as a school. I don't necessarily know what that means as a student. All <laughs> I know is that my tuition's up 10%. But when you're looking at those student loans, you really, and, and the financial aid options, you've got to exhaust the federal resources if, if you possibly can. Ask your financial aid officer what options you have for federal student loans before you start looking for private student loans. Federal loans have a lot of benefits uh, in terms of their repayment options and the flexibility. I recommend looking at those first. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Eric Bell. Uh, he is the president and CEO of Yo Bucko, which helps people, young people learn about personal finance. We'll be back after this. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. If you lead a team of any kind, you need to listen to this show. Tune in to Leading with Emotional Intelligence, hosted by Esther Orioli. Esther provides you with the tools and techniques you need to harness the power of EQ to stop setting goals and start changing behaviors in your organization. Get the latest concepts in EQ from a top-of-the-house perspective and have your questions answered on air. Leading with Emotional Intelligence is broadcast live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman. 
My guest this hour is Eric Bell. Uh, he is the uh, president and CEO of Yo Bucko, which is a financial website aimed at young people learning about personal finance. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Well, thanks again for having me, Jordan. Just tell us a little bit more about Yo Bucko and what people can find at that website and what kind of services you offer. Yeah, so we are a free website uh, really focused on providing unbiased financial education to, to young people and kind of presenting that in a, a fun and easy-to-read way. So we have articles and videos and step-by-step guides to kind of help you through your finances. Uh, we also have some uh, free worksheets that you can use to create a budget, track your spending, uh, also to calculate your net worth. We also have a section called Ask Yo Bucko where you can write in anonymously and ask us any financial question that you have. Now, we won't give stock recommendations and definitely are, are out there trying to just provide general advice, but it's a resource that young people can use to, to get some personalized answers. Uh, you know, there's not a lot of options sometimes for young people when it comes to, to finding financial advice. We can't afford sometimes the, the fee-only financial planning services and, and oftentimes are not targeted by the brokers and the financial advisors. So Yo Bucko is kind of a resource for young people. And then the last part of it really is uh, having some options for comparing different financial products. You can check out credit cards and bank accounts. You can also you know see different tax software that are out there to help you. But we're just really trying to educate people and equip them with the tools that they need to be financially successful. What is the financial model of Yobucko? How do you uh, make self-sustain this? Well, right now, we, we are in the early stages, but it, it's primarily lead generation uh, for different financial products and services. Uh, so if you sign up for you know budgeting software, we might make a buck here and there. And we also uh, have ways that we make money through, uh, it's called pay-per-click. And so when you click the Apply Now buttons for certain products, we, we may make some money. Uh, when we started out, we actually thought that we were going to be creating Yelp for financial services. And we have kind of plans to create more of a rating and review model for different products and tools that are out there. And that's something that we're planning on working on uh, more and more, but are just trying to kind of get, gather the resources to get to that next level. Very good. Okay. And, again, yobucko.com is the website, right? That's correct, Y-O-B-U-C-K-O. Okay. One of the big areas you'd like to talk about is student loans and paying off student loans. It's the fastest-growing debt out there. I think it recently went over a trillion dollars. Um, why don't you give us some a, a bit about your student loan story and how people can make more progress on their student loans than they may be realizing right now? Yeah, it, it is a tough one. Uh, you know, I I really had never planned on, on taking out loans for myself. When I had started my uh, MBA program that I'm doing right now at Georgetown University, I'm doing it part-time at night. And so I was working at the time. And when I made the decision to leave my job to start Yo Bucko, uh, had to actually finance a lot of my education through student loans. So when I graduate uh, in May, I, I'll have about $120,000 in student loan debt myself. And, you know, it's it's interesting as I could buy a house and get a mortgage for 3.5%, but I'm paying 6.8% on my student loans. But there are flexible repayment options. And so, you know, as you're going through school, some of the things I would recommend doing is if you do have to take out higher interest rate loans, pay those off first. 
look for subsidized loans. Uh, there's a you know there's federal programs with subsidized versus unsubsidized. Now they're capped on the limits, but those loans, the subsidized loans, are the ones that actually the government will pay the interest on them for you while you're in school. And so you know if you do have interest-bearing student loans, one of the challenges that you face is that you are accumulating interest while you're in school. So tackling that debt as best as possible and not allowing that interest to compound on the debt is a strategy that I think is possible. Now, not everybody has that option, but one of the repayment options that recently has been released called the Income Repayment, uh, or it's the Income-Based Repayment Program. And what this allows is it's for people who are getting out of school and are kind of struggling to get on their feet They've got it now to where your payments each month are contingent based on your, your discretionary income, and so it's capped at a certain level. So as an entrepreneur and somebody who you know is not earning a, a ton in salary right now, it, it's actually a pretty decent option for me when I first get out, and that'll extend my repayment period and lower the amount that I'll have to pay on a month-to-month basis in the early stages so that when I earn more, I'll be able to pay back more over time. And there's also something called the Income Contingent Repayment System. How does that work? Yeah, so Income Contingent Repayment, it, it's it's similar, but what they do with that is it's capped at 20% of your uh, discretionary income. So it is similarly uh, income contingent, as they say, but also the, the amount of time that is um, actually – that you repay that, I think over the income-based repayment program, it's actually a longer period of time. And so it's actually the the income-based is lowering, uh, from my understanding, the cap on what the income is that you have to have to pay back. And then you said there's also something called extended repayment. Uh, Why would one want to do that? Yeah, so if you have more than $30,000 in student loan debt, it, it might not be a bad option. Uh, extended repayment also takes the payments out over 25 years. Now, the challenge you have if you have extended repayment or you go with the income-based repayment is there is interest accumulating on that debt. And so over the long run, by extending the period, you are going to pay more in interest. But most people's concern is is not necessarily always, what am I going to pay in the future, but what can I afford to pay right now? So by extending those payments, you actually can lower your payments in the short run so you can get by. And then another option is graduated repayment. Why would you want to do that? Yeah, well, that starts out with uh, lower monthly payments that that increase every two years. So the assumption is that you're not going to earn as much day one when you get out of school, and over time your income will increase. But you only get 10 years to repay under the graduated payment option, and so that's why oftentimes people have to go for the extended repayment if they've got, you know, levels of debt like I have at this point. Uh, what are some of the options people have for student loan consolidation if they have several loans from different schools? Yeah, so student loan consolidation is something that definitely I'll be looking into after I graduate. Uh, what it is is it basically you take multiple loans and you package them together into one loan, and you have a lot less paperwork. It, it can actually reduce your monthly payments because you combine your interest rates on those loans. Um, If you have federal loans, the government will allow you to consolidate your loans without a lot of the fees, and and some of the uh, different options are 
a lot better with there's better deferment options, there's more flexible repayment options. But consolidating your loans consolidates your paperwork and makes it easy so you can have one payment to pay back each month instead of five different loans. What was the change made? Uh, I think it was part of the Health Care Act, actually, where the student loan business was kind of taken over by the Department of Education as opposed to going through private banks. What difference has that made for students having student loans? Well, you know, it's interesting. I'm going to be meeting with the Department of Education on Thursday to talk to them a little bit more about that. So I'll be able to kind of share more with you once I've learned uh, some more from them. But one thing that's happened, as, as you said, is a lot of the student loan debt is now it's under the federal government's umbrella. Now, some will argue that that's a good thing. Others will, will argue against it as our you know, nation is facing enough debt problems of its own. But with the Department of Education doing that, they have a little bit more tight control over the market itself. And you see things like the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, for example, is doing a lot of work and have an entire office dedicated to improving the student loan process. And so I think you'll see a, tightly, a more tightly controlled market in the, finance, or in the student loan space, and you might see fewer abuses. But you know, with government taking over a certain part of the economy, there's going to be backlash and a lot of political upheaval, I'm sure, over time as this interest and this debt continues to accumulate. In addition to being a part of these programs, you say that creating a budget and sticking to it is really one of the key ways to pay off student loans. Is that something that's hard for uh, young people and newly graduated people to uh, actually follow through with? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, a budget's just the roadmap to financial success. You know, running a business, I I have to stick by a budget every month, and and as an individual, I have to as well. I mean, if you don't have a budget, you, you don't have a plan. And, you know, it gives you a way to see where you are today and where you want to be in the future and allows you to kind of allocate your money into the different buckets so that you can have a plan. And it also gives you a way to track your progress every month. You know, I look at the difference between goals and milestones. Well, goals are what you're going for in the long run, and milestones are the signposts along the way that are telling you that you're getting there successfully. And a budget is that signpost. It allows you to see on a month-to-month basis how you're doing versus your own plan. You know, it really depends on your own self-discipline in many ways. Like, are you willing to do what it takes to create a budget? Now, we've got some free tools on YoBucko uh, that will allow you to do that. You can go to YoBucko.com slash worksheets, and we have a free cash flow and budgeting tool there. Uh, but there's also other great programs out there to help you budget uh, and, and also track your spending. I, I like Mint.com personally. I think that's a, a fantastic program. There's a new uh, organization called Hello Wallet uh, here in Washington, D.C., and they've been focused primarily on employers and employees for a while, but they're actually starting to break back into the uh, consumer segment, and, and I've got to say that's a, it's a great program. And the difference between the two is Hello Wallet's going to cost you a little bit a month, but you get independent, unbiased financial information rather than ad-driven content, and, and that's kind of one of the big differentiators from them. So basically you load in your income and expenses and it kind of keeps track of things as you go along? Yeah, yeah. It links up to your bank accounts. Uh, if you've ever used Mint, you might know how that process is. But there's basically data feeds that that allow you to see how much money's in your bank account on your credit cards and all of those things. And it will show you your spending. And, and both of the companies have 
Um, they both have mobile apps, so you can kind of see your spending on the go. And it gives you a good way to get a quick snapshot. Now, they're not transactional accounts, so you can't be uh, sending money from one bank account to another or paying off loans. But if you need a tool that's going to allow you to see where you are, that's a great one. And, and I will kind of, and, and I'm not uh, promoting anything here, but I've got to say, hello, or not hello wallet, but um, PNC also has an amazing online uh, platform called Virtual Wallet, which I think is just one of the, the coolest online platforms for young people out there. And it comes with a lot of budgeting tools and saving tools as well. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Eric Bell. Uh, he is the president and CEO of YoBucko, which is a website uh, designed to help young people get their financial acts together. And we'll be back after this. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Join Patricia Raskin, the host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 11 Pacific. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call to Positive Living, Mondays at 11 Pacific Time, right here on VoiceAmerica.com. Leadership is a vital skill set in today's competitive global economy. Being a leader is not enough. To succeed, you must optimize your performance and know how to imbue others in your organization with leadership skills. Practical, actionable leadership insights are the focus of Leadership Development News, hosted each Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, by Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler on the Voice America Business Channel. Doctors Greenberg and Nadler, who coach global leaders on how to be most effective, will share their insights and contacts. The path to leadership excellence begins here. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Eric Bell. Uh, he's the president and CEO of Yo Bucko, which is a website uh, designed to teach financial uh, literacy to young people. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Well, thank you very much, Jordan. One of the big areas people do talk about uh, and need help with, in addition to student loans, is credit and debt management. Um, give me a sense of the, the size of the problem of credit card debt for young people today, and what should people be doing to, uh, to make it better? Well, it, it, it's a big problem out there. I mean, there's billions and billions of dollars every year that are added to our credit card debt. And, and young people are graduating. You know, in 2009, they were graduating with about $4,100 in credit card debt on average from, from colleges and universities across the country. 
And, you know, really, young people face a, a, it's an interesting dilemma, is we're told that we need to establish credit and we need to build our credit history. And one of the only ways that we can do that is by taking out debt, you know, whether that's student loans or loans from a bank or, or getting a credit card. We kind of have to do that. And it's interesting is to get a job these days, you've got to have a decent credit score. Like they look at those numbers to determine if you're a good credit or, you know, you're somebody that they can trust at working at their company. But the problem is, is a lot of young people don't really understand what credit cards are or they don't understand interest. And it's a real shame that you've got to have this credit history that is there and, and sometimes you don't have the skills you need to actually pay off the debt. And some kids think it's like a bank account. And I don't necessarily say that's, that's right or wrong. I mean, they, they oftentimes just don't know what they're getting into. But I'm not going to say everybody's innocent. I mean, some people know exactly what they're, gonna, they're doing. And a lot of people just say, my family will pay for that. Well, if you're one of those people that has kind of taken that approach, you might find yourself in a real problem when you're out looking to get a job or trying to get your next cell phone plan. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that your credit history uh, touches these days. If people are in trouble, they've taken on a lot of credit card debt and have very high interest rates, uh, and their credit score is going down, what steps can they do to get things under better control? Yeah, I think the first step is, is to really know where you are today. And and right now you can get a free credit report. Uh, the, the Federal Trade Commission has a site that's set up called annualcreditreport.com. And you can get your free credit report from all three credit bureaus and see where you are. Um, a friend of mine the other day was actually looking to get a, a mortgage for their home. And there were some negative marks on their credit history that they had no awareness of whatsoever this actually happened to me one time when i had an i had surgery many years ago and three years later i find out that i had missed a fifty dollar bill and i wouldn't have known that had i not checked out my credit report so go to annualcreditreport.com and get your free credit report so the, the next step is if you do have debt and you have multiple credit cards like most people do then you need to look at where the interest rates are on those uh, it, it's recommended to keep your balances below 30%. I mean, I would recommend personally paying them off in full each month, but I realize that's not always a, uh, a possibility for everybody. But get your credit levels below 30% is, is ideal of your um, total outstanding. And then pay off the interest rates that are the highest first. You know, making your monthly payments on the cards that are lower interest rates, um, but then really tackling those higher interest rate debts first. There's different theories on how this works. I'm sure you've heard of like the credit snowball you know, approach and all that, but I, I still go with the numbers and say pay off that high interest rate debt first. What do you think about credit counseling as an uh, alternative for young people with a lot of credit card debt? I, I mean, I always advise people to get counseling if they can. I mean, there's a lot of different uh, services out there, and the National Foundation for Credit Counseling is a great place to go to, to find kind of trusted counseling services. But if you are a student or you have resources in your community, take advantage of those first. There's a lot of people out there that, that can help you with these questions. I mean, there's Jordan Goodman's one person I would call and ask my questions to. Um, but you could also go to Yo Bucko if, if you, you would like to and ask us how to get some help. But there are credit counseling organizations out there that can help you out. 
and National Foundation for Credit Counseling is a place I would go to find those services. Since the credit card law went into effect, uh, it said that students or people under age 21 uh, cannot get credit cards in their own name unless they have an independent source of income or they're going to have to get parents to co-sign. What difference has that made in the two years or so since that law has been in effect? Well, I, I mean, I don't, I don't have a great answer as to, to what the difference has been. I still see people day to day that are in debt and, and are having financial trouble. Um, so I'm not seeing a, a huge impact day to day. But I will say what you do see on the ground at college campuses across the country is you see a lot less marketing of credit cards and, and different credit products on campuses. Um, you do see people kind of having to think twice before they get credit cards. Uh, in the past, it was, you know, get a free T-shirt and get a credit card. Uh, now there's not quite as much free access um, through some of these these channels like schools out there. So, I mean, I think it's not necessarily a bad thing. What I worry about, though, is what about the kids whose parents aren't participating in their lives? Like, how do they build a credit history? Um, what about the people who don't necessarily have, you know, the, the proactive family? There's a lot of people out there that just don't have those relationships with their family, and to ask them to go get, you know, their parents to sign off so that they can afford to have something uh, that, that can be a backup for them it's a little bit scary. Um, one option is a secured credit card. I, I think that's one way you can build a credit history that, that's out there. What that means is you basically put down a deposit. It's almost like a, a bank account in some ways. And you, you open the bank account, and you can't that money that is there as kind of a reserve, and you are actually able to build some credit history but not necessarily go through all of the problems that you might if you just had an unsecured credit card. Do you have a list of good secured and unsecured credit cards at your bucko? I I don't have that right now. We we're working on technology to to make it a little bit easier to to sort between different products. I don't have that right now. I would recommend personally going to cardratings.com. A uh, good friend of mine Curtis Arnold started that website and I, I really think that's probably the best place to go search for credit cards today. You can check out Yo Bucko, but we're working on getting it to where you can sort by your credit history and uh you know that's something to look forward to but i check out card ratings today another area you talk about that young people should take care of is protecting their assets uh, with things like renters insurance and health insurance and car insurance what, what are some of young people's misperceptions about insurance and what steps should they be taking to uh, get things better uh, situated there yeah, there's a lot of great uh, websites out there. You, you can actually at Yo Bucko check out different uh, car insurance and health insurance plans. But l- let me just talk for a second about kind of why you would want insurance and, and what it's there for. Is it's there to protect you against loss. Uh, when I got out of uh, school and got my first job, I, I actually got E. coli, uh, one of the lucky seven people in the state of New York to get E. coli, um, and I had a $50,000 hospital bill right after I got out of school. If I didn't have health insurance, it would have been a complete loss for me. I would have had to declare bankruptcy. That's why health insurance was created, and you can get that through your employers oftentimes, but you can search for different plans at Yobucco as well. Another funny story is, you know, I was out, it was not funny, but I was at dinner one night and somebody broke into my car and stole my computer, which for me is a, is a big problem. It was actually my renter's insurance policy that paid me back for that loss. 
So you don't always realize like what you're hedging against, but it's good to read the policies in advance. And one misperception I think that I see is that people think that they're set for life in one insurance plan. Well, insurers are competing for your business. And so each year I recommend shopping around and getting competitive rates for insurance products, whether it's renter's insurance, homeowner's insurance, car insurance, shop around every year. A lot of the policies aren't that different, and the pricing can be a substantial difference for you. Yeah, a lot of people don't really know how to search for those kind of things. So you're saying most young people are underinsured for what they should be? I'm not necessarily saying they're underinsured. I don't have any great data to, to support uh, that right this second, but I, but I can say that people might be paying too much for the insurance that they currently have. Yeah. Okay, another area that you like to speak about is employee benefits. And uh, when young people get their first jobs, they're given this package on a 401k. What, what are some things people should know about as far as maximizing uh, employee benefits when they join a new, new company? Yeah, that, that is, it's an interesting one. Is They've started to make it to where you're automatically enrolled uh, oftentimes into your, your 401k plan or 403b plan, uh, whatever it may be. And the benefit there is, you know, it, it's it's like free return on your money, right? When you contribute to a 401k, you're getting that money invested before taxes, so you're set, you're getting a return automatically right there. And then oftentimes your employers will have a matching program. And so when I was at, at my first job, we got matched up to two percent on our contributions. That's a hundred percent return on my first. 2% of investment. That's that's free money. And then that money grows deferred. Uh, there's no taxes on it over time until, you know, you get to the end. And then, like, that is just, it's free money. So the things I do recommend, though, is shop around at your employer to find out what your employee benefits are. Um, contributing to a 401K reduces the amount of taxable income you have. Contributing to your employer's health plan lowers your taxable income. That's less tax you have to pay at the end of the year. And oftentimes there's free return on it. Uh, but then if you also look at your options within your 401k plan, uh, there's different options. Oftentimes they'll call them life stage funds where you can invest and get a diversified portfolio of investments. Um, that That's oftentimes a good option for people that just aren't active in their own investments. Um, also, Maybe not over-investing in your own company's stock is a good idea. You know, it's your sole source of income oftentimes, and, and sometimes companies defer the money for your 401K or whatever plan directly into the company's stock. Make sure that you have a diversified portfolio of stock um, in that because you're holding this for the long run. And as you're younger, I, you know, it, it's kind of just common knowledge that you're supposed to have more equities when you're younger, uh, that stocks and uh, different ownership interests and in different companies have more stocks when you're younger, and over time, diversify that into bonds. But I recommend having a diversified portfolio, contributing to your 401k, and taking advantage of all the employee benefits you can get. Very good. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Eric Bell. Uh, he is the president and CEO of Yo Bucko, which is a website designed to help young people learn about money. We'll be back after this.
whether the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. If you are looking for creative ways to improve your bottom line, tune in to Make Your Move with Alan and Brian Bolio. Their proven track record of helping businesses enhance their profitability will provide the basis for a forum about actionable items based on a business person's perspective. The program will be business talk, but with an economic context, so you'll know how to stay ahead of the game. Make Your Move is broadcast live every Monday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's all Arizona, all over the world. If you're a local Arizona high school sports fan or if you're a transplanted fan somewhere else in the world, have we got a show for you. The first Internet sports radio talk show focusing solely on high school sports is The Coach's Corner with Scott Lovely. Tune in to talk about your favorite teams, players, or coaches. It's 100% Arizona high school sports coverage and a little bit more. Tune in Mondays at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern to the Voice America Sports Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Eric Bell. He is the president and CEO of Yo Bucko, which is a website designed to help young people learn about money. Welcome back to the show, Eric. Well, thanks for having me, Jordan. We want to talk a little bit about saving and investing. Uh, even though people might not have a lot of money, they've got time on their side. What are some steps young people can take to get started investing and saving outside of their 401k? Oh, no, absolutely. I, I think one of the best things I ever did was to buy my first stock. Um, it's it's an amazing experience going through and, and learning how to purchase stock. And, and investing became part of my life early on after I bought that first share of Coca-Cola. Um, so I recommend, you know, for parents out there that have kids, get your kids started early. Teach them about stocks and, and get them involved in the stock market so they're not scared of it, not intimidated. Remove kind of that veil of mystery. But for every person that's out there, you know, listening today, I think it's it's always save. Every day, pay yourself first. And and what I mean by that is don't don't just go to work and and work for work's sake. Like Take some of that money off the table each month and pay yourself. The way that I recommend is I, I, I aim for 20% um, savings. Now, that's, that's high for a lot of people, but a little bit counts. And setting up an automatic deposit to your savings account every month is one way to do that. Uh, you can do that through direct deposit. Um, 
and I try to save 5% in an emergency fund each month. So that 5% direct deposit goes there. I, I spend about 5% goes into an investment account that I regularly manage and I'm trying to, you know, I have a pretty diversified uh, basket of stocks in there, primarily ETFs because I don't like to pay a lot of fees. Um, and then also contributing to your retirement plan. And, and so between those three, trying to aim for 20% total savings each month. But for young people, the top priority really does have to be to build that nest egg and get that emergency savings because bad things do happen to good people. And if you don't have that, a lot worse can happen. How can people start learning about investing in stocks and mutual funds if they haven't done it before? Well, it's interesting is there's a lot of great programs out there today to help people learn about money. You know, Yo Bucko just being one of them. Um, around the country right now, there's a lot of movement in the kind of this financial literacy and financial education field. Um, I, being in Washington, I actually get to see quite a bit of what's happening here in D.C. And the federal government has a great website called MyMoney.gov that has a lot of free financial resources on there to help people learn about money at different stages of their life. Um, and that's all free information that comes from you know agencies like the Federal Trade Commission, the FDIC, the Federal Reserve. They all contribute there, and, and it's free, unbiased information. Another great resource uh, for people, particularly you know, parents and educators, is the Jumpstart Coalition. Uh, that's jumpstart.org. And Jumpstart's a coalition of organizations, uh, and that's financial institutions, that's regulators, that's associations. They all bring together their resources and, and work together at Jumpstart to improve financial literacy for young people across the country. You know, and for people in their 20s, unfortunately, I don't feel like there's as much a concerted effort there, and that's one reason we created Yo Bucko. So if you're in your 20s, check out YoBucko.com, and if you have any questions, just feel free to send us an email or click the Ask Yo Bucko question. We'd be happy to help you out. What are some of the other things going on in financial literacy, uh, even for younger people that are in their 20s, that you, you, people should know about? If you haven't heard of the stock market game, I think that's one of the coolest things out there. It's, it's the SIFMA Foundation has uh, this program called the Stock Market Game that has uh, – it, it's a, basically a stock simulator, and they've shown that that's one of the most effective tools out there uh, for training students about that. And they have national challenges every year uh, where you can win awards. There's another thing that's happening right now um, – called the Financial Capability Challenge. It's the National Financial Capability Challenge. And you go to challenge.trej, that's T-R-E-A-U, or, yeah, T-R-E-A-S. Um, so it's challenge.trej.gov. And the National Financial Capability Challenge is a national challenge. Uh, thousands and thousands of students competing uh, each year in their states uh, taking a financial literacy exam. And it's a great opportunity for organizations uh, to, to work together in their states to promote awareness of that. Um, also, each February, there's National um, America Saves Week. That's through the American Savings Education Council and the, the Consumer Federation America. It's really a social marketing campaign targeting uh, getting people to save. And, and then next month, I, I don't know if you're aware, but it's National Financial Literacy Month. And, and so there's a lot of initiatives going around, uh, going on around the country, uh, around financial education. And, you know, Jumpstart's a great resource for finding out, uh, what information's out there. 
there some states that now have uh, mandated personal financial education in the high schools? There are, there are, and and I used to be part of, uh, like I said, the Jumpstart's local efforts in D.C., and, and D.C. is working somewhat on the, the financial literacy front, but our neighboring states of Virginia and Maryland have recently passed graduation requirements, and this is the first year, actually, that, Mer- uh, that uh, Virginia is actually implementing the requirements in their schools. So every student has to take a class in personal finance uh, to graduate. I think that's an amazing effort. Uh, you know, if you're going to sit there and take four years of French class and never travel to France, I, I don't see as much of a point. But when, when every student's going to have to pay bills, take out credit cards, and, and build a credit history, it's important to teach these people stuff in school. Uh, so the states are out, out there working on this, and a lot of the jumpstart coalitions around the country are really uh, helpful catalysts in that process. So, well, we have about two minutes to go. Why don't you just kind of sum up what difference it would make in people's young people's financial lives to do a lot of things we've talked about, get their credit act together, start investing, handle their student loans better, all the things we've talked about, get the right insurances, compared to uh, doing it the way many of them are doing it, which is not doing it too well. Well, well, no, thanks again for this opportunity to talk with you today, Jordan. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, what this comes down to is is your dreams, right? If you have the the knowledge and, and you can have the discipline to, to take advantage of this financial knowledge, you can have a better life, right? There's a better life out there for people. You don't have to be stressed. You don't have to have the problems that you have in your life if you're able to manage your money. And, and so for me, it's a passion. Personal finance is a passion. And, and I just want people to feel like there is some hope. There are opportunities and there are best practices for saving, investing, and protecting your money. And, and I hope Yo Bucko can be the solution for them. And I assume parents would find that of interest too, right? They can help their kids that way if the kids don't show interest. I, I hope so. There's a lot of adult children out there that's still living at home, and so if you want to get your kid out of the house, you might want to send them to Yo Bucko too. <laughs> Very good. All right, my guest this hour has been Eric Bell. Uh, he's the president and CEO of Yo Bucko. Again, the website is yobucko.com. Uh, we've been speaking about uh, getting credit and saving and investing and uh, dealing with a huge burden of student loans and uh, just a lot of things that young people really should be doing that in many cases they have not been doing. And uh, Eric is really helping people uh, make the most of it there. So thanks so much for being a guest on the Bunny Answer Show, Eric. Well, thank you so much for having me, Jordan. And we'll be back again with another edition of the Money Answer Show next week. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.